I'd like to welcome you all to Sunday service here at Ananda Village, especially those who are visiting for the first time, guests and visitors, and those online throughout the world. I'll read from Ray's I Am Nayaswami Parvati, and this is Nayaswami Pranapa. And I'll read from Rays of the One Light, commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita, written by Swami Kriyananda, but based on Paramahansa Yogananda's teachings. How high should we aspire? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. The passage this week is from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 5. I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. The easiest explanation for these words is that they were spoken in criticism of the scribes and Pharisees, particularly since Jesus was often verbally attacked by them and stood up to them fearlessly. However, it wouldn't have been much of a challenge to the disciples who aspired to spiritual perfection to tell them, don't be like those who lack any such aspiration. Jesus, in fact, says only a few verses later, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. What Jesus was referring to here then was the self-righteousness of the priests. Don't seek perfection, he was saying to his disciples, in the image you project toward others. Don't be satisfied with a goodness born merely of ego definitions. The highest virtue is to transcend the very thought of personal virtue in the realization of God alone as the doer. Before this realization, even the thought, I am kind or I am truthful, is self-limiting. As it says in the Bhagavad Gita, the seventh chapter, Yet hard the the wise Mahatma is to find that man who saith, All is Vasudev. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. to read to you from Yogananda's Book of Prayer Demands, Whispers from Eternity. Many doors open before me at the dawn of thy coming. O Lord, the very earth shone with life when thou camest. The very ground on which I stood thrilled me because of thee. Everywhere dumb matter spoke to me, spirit resurrected by thy touch. All living things swayed in the incense breeze of thy approach hinting at thy perfume of bliss. Thy sanctuary of omnipresence was long hidden by the darkness of my indifference. Now on the revealed courtyard of thy temple, I find thy fountain of joy gaily bubbling. 
with uplifted palm cups of craving, I catch and drink from the vital waters of thy solace. Lord, I know now that I shall thirst nevermore. A number of years ago, in a gathering, um, there were a few of us with Swami Kriyananda. This is up at Ananda, Seattle. That he mentioned something that I never heard quite explained or emphasized. And he said that it is very, very important for the devotee to have introspection. He said, without introspection, we really cannot grow. We will not be able to see the larger picture. And when we have introspection, we're able to just see what's really going on rather than be caught in the immediacy of the karma, of the energy that's happening. And so for each of us, if we use introspection, if we can stand back from the immediacy of what life is giving us, we can see that there are basically two streams of consciousness. A stream of consciousness that is contractive and a stream of consciousness that is expansive. And the contractiveness of the one stream is that pull away from the source of creation. Now you could say in a way that the default position of creation itself is delusion, is duality. Seems an interesting way to approach. We think creation is so wonderful, so beautiful. But if you really observe from an objective perspective, creation itself is moving away from its source in the divine. Its default position is more and more delusion. And in that delusion, we have that sense of ego attachment, ego desire, that pulls us personally into that experience. But the other stream of consciousness is really, in truth, the nature of who we are in our soul qualities, in our true heritage. That it's our stream of consciousness back to being one with God. And so it's, it's a juxtaposition that we face all the time, every day, pretty much, that we have that choice of which stream of consciousness we want to go with. And sometimes life itself doesn't make it real easy to do that. There's a story of these two young boys, I think they're eight-year-old boys, Billy and Bobby, and they're out fooling around and they're getting thirsty and they go past an ice cream shop and they say, hey, let's get a milkshake. And they collect their monies, and they have enough for one milkshake. So they agree they'll share it 50-50, and they get two straws. Well, Billy goes first, and he just sips the whole thing. And Bobby incredulously says, What the heck? What did you just do? You're going to really get it. You drank the whole thing. And Billy, in desperation, says, But my half was the bottom half. You know, life will come in such interesting ways when we think we're on top of it. We've got it clear. We know what our spiritual path is, but we get trapped with it. So the question, how high should we aspire, in a sense, is a trick question. Uh, Because if the soul in its true nature is coming back to its home in God, there's no question of how high we should aspire it is the highest, because it is in the highest that we become who we really are. But what you can see with that is, what does that mean moment to moment, day to day? Well, 
as the reading said, it's easy to be tricked also where we feel, as Swami Kriyananda once said, that he woke up being proud of his humility. You know, it, it comes in through the back door. Suddenly we're moving along. We think, hey, this is really happening. Um, or we get pride in our meditations. You know how it is when you really get a meditation that suddenly is on a whole different level of experience that you really feel something happening. Perhaps you see something in your meditation. You know something is really there. And then there's this part of it saying, I wonder if others are like this. I think, boy, you know. We just, we just have this thing that it just comes in without us even blinking an eye. Suddenly it's shifted. I mean, just think of it. When you do go towards breathlessness in something like the Hong Sa technique, and you think, oh, this is great. Oops, poof, you're up to the surface again. You know, by the moment you recognize it from your ego, you're out of that experience. You're in the ego's reference. But isn't it true that that happens quite a lot to us, that we keep moving on? So the thing is that it's not so much black and white that are we in delusion, are we in God's grace? The real effort or the real approach that we need to take is are we moving where we need to go? You know, can we really see ourselves moving in that direction more and more? In this wonderful poem, The Hound of Heaven, by Francis Thompson, which, by the way, is recorded by Paramahansa Yogananda, there's a recording of him um, reciting this poem, one of the few things other than his own poems that he ever recited. Um, There's this one little line that says, sort of captures all of this, it says, All things betray thee who betrayest me. Meaning this is God speaking to the devotee. All things betray thee who betrayest me. The moment we step outside of that direction, that stream of consciousness towards the divine, towards God, it's set up in this world that all the things that we think will give us fulfillment or even happiness or even pleasure will betray us. They won't give us what we want. If you look at behavioral patterns of addiction, what happens is that we get that rush of whatever it might be. It even may be something as subtle as being uh, addicted to relationships, let alone substance things. But what happens is there is an experience, there is a touch of something that is really real for us. But we place the emphasis on the experience rather than ourselves having the experience. Rather than the center of that, we're at the periphery of that. And when we're at the periphery, it will just jangle us around. It will just keep us in limbo and in movement. It won't really continue to give us what we desire. It will be like the carrot on the proverbial stick. It's going to be out there. And we know we've had a good experience with it before. But does it come back and give it that to us again? Well, karma is like that. That if we really open up and be an instrument for the divine, we also need to just feel that we're always offering that experience. I remember years ago, before I moved to Ananda, I visited here and returned and started a meditation group in Canada for Ananda. But someone encouraged me to go visit another spiritual group. And they had a nice house that had been converted into a temple. And it was, I think, during the week, so there weren't a lot of people there. It was fairly uh, uh, empty, 
with people. But there was one person that was scrubbing the floors of the temple, the sanctuary area. And I came in and greeted him. And he said, yes, I'm doing this to get good karma. (laughs) And even as a a new person with these teachings, I kind of went away thinking, I don't think that's how it works. (laughs) Because in essence... He may get good karma. I, I won't argue that point even. But really, what we're trying to do is get beyond all karma, good or bad. We don't really want to be attached to good karma. We don't want to do things so we gain our golden stars on our checkoff list. What we want to do is be at the heart of that experience where there is no separation from us feeling God's presence. Now, You may feel God's presence all the time. I'm still working on it. But it's something that we can always feel a touch of. You know, we may not be completely immersed in the presence of the divine. But we can always, really always, every moment, open up to the experience. And isn't that really what we do with the purification ceremony? We have it so that each person that comes up is offering. I seek purification by the grace of God. We're not demanding it when we come up. We're not saying it's a foregone conclusion. What we're really doing is saying in this moment, this represents every moment of my life that I can offer myself into that divine presence of God. And in that offering... We do have the certainty of that presence. We do have the certainty of that purification. That doesn't mean we will necessarily be entirely 100% purified. Well, no, I shouldn't say it that way. We are 100% purified because the grace of God is always 100% with us. But we may not be at 100% full openness to receive that 100% purification. But that's not a, again, gosh, I've blown it or I've done it right. It's a direction. It's a sense of tuning in, of being clear about what in this moment is happening through me. So the idea of humility, as our affirmation emphasized, is a way for us to constantly step back from saying that I am the doer and allowing the divine to flow through us. Because who knows what will happen if we're open to that. All sorts of what others would call miracles will take place. Or maybe others would call it, you know, the magic of yoga. But there's no magic. There's no miracles other than the fact that everything we're involved in in life is magical and a miracle. But really, it's, it's really that stream of consciousness going back to the divine that we're tuning into. But what happens when we when we do make the wrong choice, and I'm sure none of you will do that, but just hypothesize that it possibly could happen. (laughs) What is it that's there for us when we've chosen to be more in our egos, more contractive, uh, more caught in our emotional entanglements, What happens at that point? 
What is it that's really before us? As soon as we can acknowledge that that stream of consciousness has caught us, and that's a nice way to think of it, rather than it's only that I've blown it, but really we've allowed that stream of consciousness to commandeer who we are. So as Paramahansa Yogananda said in his commentaries on the Bhagavad Gita, when he talked about some of the soldiers on the forces of material delusion, that he talked about Sergeant Food Greed, you know, commanding sometimes a lot of our attention. In a humorous way, he was able to just say, these things will happen. Food greed will be there at times. So the point isn't that it shouldn't or should happen. We're always moving towards what is going to be fulfilling for us. So in the middle of food greed, just catch it as soon as you can and say, okay, I know I said this prayer, this grace before I ate this meal. It somehow didn't really affect me. (laughs) But here I am gobbling down this stuff and I think, oh, wait a minute. Tune into that prayer. Or at least tune into the vibration of the prayer. Tune into that which is self-correcting the course back to where we really want to be going rather than what our default pattern is from the ego. Because the ego, as we've known about from the teachings of yoga, isn't something we can annihilate. It isn't designed that way. It's really designed in the fuller picture, if you stand back again and introspect, the ego is designed to be the instrument, the catalyst, that allows you to make the choice of where you really want to go. So it's not really the problem. Although you can hear us talk about the ego being the problem a lot. And it has that reality. But when you look at it in a larger, broader perspective, the ego is there to create the stimulus for us to go with the soul qualities. And what happens in that experience, that we then take the energy from the ego that may be strongly invested, we start to draw that energy from the ego and it allows the soul qualities to be strengthened, to be really magnetically focused in the way that will give us fulfillment. And then the ego is just there. Always healthy to respect the ego, but to realize that in that opening of drawing the energy, remember in that stream of consciousness, towards the divine, we then can live more fully in that experience. So even when life takes away the full milkshake from you, we can always come back in our hearts, in our awareness, in our soul connection, to feeling God's presence. And to feel like a little bubble that's maybe down below the surface of the water, that it's going to just naturally go towards the light. And as it comes through the layers of water, it comes to the surface. And as it comes to the surface, it releases itself, really, into the infinite. It's no longer contained in that little way, but really opens up. So that experience of infinity, of omnipresence, 
of being children of God, of being made in the divine image, that we start to realize more completely that we really are one with the divine and that we become clear instruments to really touch others. Because in that nature of who we are, of our souls, there is that natural sharing, not from I need to do this or people need to really receive what I have to offer, but to really just be there as an open instrument to be a blessing for others from your heart, from your consciousness, and from your soul awareness that we're all one in God. Let's take a moment to meditate. 